0: Welcome to Broken Potholes with your host, Chuck Warren. I'm Sam Stone. We have a fantastic interview lined up for today. Matt Lewis, senior columnist at The Daily Beast and author of Too Dumb to Fail, and apparently we're actually not, how the GOP betrayed the Reagan revolution to win elections and how it can reclaim its conservative roots. Matt's work has appeared in outlets such as The Wall Street Journal, Daily Beast, GQ, the Washington Post, Politico, Telegraph, The Independent, The Guardian. If you're a fan of news, you've seen this guy's work somewhere because he does fantastic, fantastic work. Matt Lewis, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, good to talk with you.
0: Matt, let's, let's tell our audience first. How did you
2: get from point A, a political hack, to point <laughs> B, a columnist, a journalist, uh, a gab about around town? What was the process? What was the journey here?
1: Oh, I snuck. I snuck into it. Uh, I came through the back door. If I had tried to, you know, if I had tried to actually like apply at the Washington Post to be the next George Will, they would have laughed me out of the room. But luckily, the blogosphere happened around the time that I was trying to make this transition from being a campaign guy to being a writer, to instead of being in politics to writing about it. And, uh, so that, that was really my bridge. I started uh, blogging on a campaign around the time that Howard Dean made that kind of a thing. And, uh, I segued into writing about campaigns and blogging about campaigns and then eventually, you know, snuck completely into being a columnist. So, uh, it, it took, it took a while and, and it, you know, started doing it for free and eventually, uh made the transition.
2: It's amazing how many people don't realize that when you really have a passion for something, you have to start by doing it for free. Um, It's so true. I I mean, I I mean, I see this all the time on campaigns, you know, uh, it's or any work. It's just, you know, they want to start off with this huge salary. They don't understand, you know, paying your dues.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I started off doing an internship. I think that's kind of the modern day apprenticeship is, is to do an internship. Mine had a stipend, but a lot of them pay nothing. And I can tell you I worked at the Daily Caller for six years, you know, Tucker Carlson's the website that Tucker Carlson co founded. And a lot of times the young people we hired were people who interned at the Daily Caller for free and then never left. They just kept coming to the office and hanging around. And eventually we're like, oh, I guess we you know, a job would come open and instead of like looking at resumes and you know, bringing calling in people to have interviews, it'd be just like, Well, give it to Bob. He's you know, Bob's been showing up every day. You know, he hasn't he hasn't done anything crazy yet. Let's <laughs> he give hasn't, him the job. He hasn't
2: embarrassed us yet. We just got a new office here in Arizona and the and the ladies here have been um doing the interior decorating. I just know furniture keeps showing up. There's more Coke and water in the refrigerator, and now they just don't leave. You just go there twenty four seven, and some leave. really, really funky
0: artwork, courtesy of Chuck. Yes, no, that's me. I, I, I it's strange, that. man. I don't know what is up with the Trump head as the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> but it freaks me out. Matt, what is that? What as you've gone through this journey to
2: where you are today? What are some things that have surprised you about it? What have you learned?
1: Oh. I mean, I've learned a ton of different things, but one of the things is to never stop learning. It's, it's constantly a game of adjustments and uh, of, of adapting and overcoming. Uh, and it's sort of like, you know, like a baseball player who might have to uh, change with the times and change your batting stance, tinker with your batting stance, play, you know, pitchers figure out how to pitch to you. You have to adjust. That's how I've done with my career, it's a constant game of adjustment. Um, and sometimes that could be uh, the technology that changes, you know, like I mentioned, the blogosphere, the rise of Twitter. Um, that could be an opportunity for you if you're a young person who, who uh, is, is an early adopter, or it could be a detriment to you. Um, it just changes everything that you grew up with uh, or that you learned. Um, and then I would say for me, um, you know, Donald Trump clearly changed everything uh it, it changed everything for me i mean um and so but i've i've been able to uh adapt and and i think stay relevant and continue to contribute um so uh the, the main thing that's changed is everything and, and if you want to make it you have to change too
2: well to uh, dear audience two things you need to know one he used a baseball reference and as we are all Diamondbacks fans he's an orioles fan so we're all used to misery and um <laughs> and then second of all um and Matt, let's talk about this. Matt is what Sam and I are talking this earlier, and we feel this way sometimes. He's sort of a no man's land. Matt Matt is an ideological conservative who never fell on the Trump parade. Um, he's he is a true. I, I would conser- say a
0: Reagan or classic yeah, he's a Republican. Classic
2: Republican, um, and I think that's been an interesting. As your friend who watches your career, I have been interested at your dance at it because you know. Um, I bet sometimes you feel like you could put all of your like-minded political friends in a Denny's restaurant, and that pretty much covers it all.
0: Den- Denny's has has pretty high capacity, exactly. so yeah, that's true.
2: Anyway, Matt, how, how, is that a fair assessment? Tell me, tell me about that.
1: This is maybe uh, the size, actually, um, <laughs> of our coalition. No, it, it was weird, right? Because I, you know, I, I think what happened is that the. Um, the paradigm shifted. I mean, I was a I was used to being a conservative who was against the establishment and against because see the establishment used to be you know the stereotype was like country club Republicans Rockefeller Republicans and so I was like a conservative uh, and I was against the liberal establishment and I was pretty and then of course there's been this reordering and this shifting where. Um, that is no longer really the main cleavage and on the right. Um, and so in fact, now things that used to be considered, you know, orthodox conservative ideological positions now actually may make you part of the establishment because hmm. that's just how things have changed. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been tough for me. It's, it's been a period of, of like what happened, why, why, why are people that I used to agree with, why are we now disagreeing? And I, I feel like, you know, as Reagan said, I didn't leave the party. The party left me. But, like, I try to be introspective and, and wrestle with, like, is, is that true? And in some cases it is, and in some cases it's not. And then there's something of an identity crisis, too. I mean, you know, um, I don't primarily define myself by virtue of my politics i mean that's one aspect of me but i i don't think it's the defining feature of me but we do to a certain degree if, if you're heavily involved in politics it's it's certainly part of how you see matt, yourself matt I, and it's been it's been a challenge
2: matt let me so uh, for dear audience um, matt matt is a he's a churchgoer he's a man of faith and your faith and your family are the most important things in your life matt um but this journey is a match almost like a faith crisis right you have an identity tied to it this is what i believe since i was a teen you know teenage college republican and all of a sudden that changes and you're like well i still think these principles are right and that's a hard juggling act and i think unlike and and, and i think for you uh, i think for you the one benefit you have is that you do have such this wonderful family support you have this great wife and kids and you have your faith But other people, and this is one thing I really see that bothers me about the left, is their religion is government and bureaucracy. I mean, that is their religion. And so, uh, you know, it's their faith crisis is, you know, if I don't get H.R. 1 passed, we're all going to hell.
0: Well, and for too many people <laughs> right. on both sides of the aisle, that's the truth. Well, it's right. right. And it's I mean, in, in our politics. side is our
2: side as well. And they would you know, there's many on our activists who would not say that's true, but it, it is. I mean, it, they base all of their identity on this. And so
0: if something doesn't pass and there must be evil people stopping this. Yeah, And I would I would add before, Matt, I, heading back to you on this, but I would add that this is at the root of the dysfunction in our country right now is that so many people are making politics central to our lives. All of us on this program work in politics in one fashion or another, but this is not the central portion of my life. Not this mine. Is a, I I have plenty of ways to connect with other people. I mean, the Diamondbacks caused me to have a faith crisis, but yeah, it's not well, the central thing in my mm-hmm. life. I, I yeah, that's that's becoming a serious issue for me as well.
2: <laughs> anyway, um, Matt, what what have you seen? Uh, you know, so. Uh, we're with Matt Lewis today, um, a columnist for the Daily Beast. He's a contributor on MSNBC, before that, CNN, wrote the book Too Dumb to Fail. He sort of saw where the Republican Party was going. What what has surprised you about the Republican Party and our activists, and what has surprised you about the Democrat Party and their activists the last four years?
1: Well, uh, you know, and I'm sort of an equal opportunity critic. Um,
2: That's why I asked I have the question. To say-
1: yeah, but I mean, I have to say that I continue to be surprised by the degree to which Republicans uh, basically became a cult for Donald Trump. And that surprised me. Um, and it's been I've been surprised for five years. Um, I was surprised that there was an insurrection. And I, I think it actually was a dispute over whether that's the appropriate nomenclature or term. uh I, I am disappointed. I am I am super disappointed in conservatives and Republicans, and even in a lot of my fellow Christians that have followed this guy uh, off a cliff. Um, I was surprised after the Access Hollywood video came out that they still voted for Donald Trump. I mean, it's just constant surprise for four or five years. With Democrats, I was actually the thing that comes to mind is is a pleasant surprise. To be honest with you. and, and and the pleasant surprise is that I thought that the sort of crazy lefties like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez uh, had so much power within the party, and uh, that 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 they would essentially, uh, you know, I thought that Bernie Sanders was going to be the nominee after he won, you know, after like Joe Biden came in fifth place in New Hampshire, <laughs> and Bernie won like you know uh, New Hampshire and. I was really surprised at how the African-American community in South Carolina really coalesced around Joe Biden uh, and I think saved that party from going off the deep end the way that the Republican Party went off the deep end. Those are the two big things I would say.
0: You know, Matt, I kind of got to disagree with you on that because I think you're talking about a break between the party's elected officials who have gone off that deep end and some of the base of the party that they are currently leaving behind with this sort of social justice warrior-driven agenda?
1: Uh, it, it could be. I mean, uh, there is no doubt that there is crazy stuff on the left. Uh, I was just surprised that the party, the Democratic Party, was able to stand up to their base when it mattered and say no.
2: It stops here. You're not taking over. you you know, at least for now. So what? Like, so so you're you know, you're you're pleasant. summation. That. Your pleasant surprise was that they didn't go over the cliff with the crazy AOC stuff. That the that the yeah. establishment stepped up, and that's not what you feel has happened in our party. We're with Matt exactly. Lewis. This is exactly. Broken Potholes. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to get keep on this conversation.
3: 2020 sure was a fun political year, wasn't it? Well, if you're up for the challenge of taking on the political field in 2022, then you can get a head start on all your opponents by going to GoDaddy.com and securing a .vote web address with your first and last name. Get started today before any of your competitors do.
0: Welcome back to Broken Potholes with your hosts Sam Stone and Chuck Warren. On the line with us today, the, uh, from the Daily Beast, Matt Lewis and Chuck, as we were heading to break, we were talking about sort of the polarization of both parties and everything that's been going on in this country, driving both the Trump phenomenon, driving the AOC-Bernie phenomenon. And, and I got to say, I think a lot of this is driven by Twitter because that is, in a lot of ways, how the media gets its news these days. And what you see on Twitter today is what's in the press tomorrow. And and I think you look at that and then you look at the fact that 20 Pew just came out with a poll, 29% of Americans have trust in our media lowest in the world. I mean Brazil has 54%. Yeah. I, I don't know
2: what the number is in China, but I mean, Matt, what 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 do you see as as a columnist, as you're on these shows, you know, I I think this is we talked about Donald Trump and um, the avid support for him, I think this plays a bigger role than the press ever wants to admit. I mean, I, I, we could sit here for five hours and talk about countless examples where they've made an accusation and turn out to be false. The most recent one is he cleared out Lafayette Park for a photo op. And it was just, you know, the, the inspector general just said that's just not true. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I have a lot of thoughts. Um, yeah, I think this is... Uh, I, I think that the media has, in many ways, uh, sacrificed their forfeited, their, uh, their, their trust and moral authority. Um, and I think that's super dangerous because then a demagogue can talk about fake news and say, you can't believe anything. Nothing's true. Uh, it, it leads to a sort of, um, you know, cultural, rele- moral sort of relevance. Uh, Kind of a postmodern, like, hey man, that's your truth. There is no final arbiter of fact, right? We're not just disagreeing about opinion; we're disagreeing about uh, about what the actual facts are. Um, And again, I think uh, part of that is that the media has abdicated their role as being kind of honest brokers. I mean, everybody makes mistakes.
2: Sure, absolutely,
1: that's that's, that happens. But but I think that it's it's really crossed the line. well, I'll give you, an, in, exa- um, I'll give this, you an example. I'll this give, been, and this has been happening. This has been happening a long time, right? There's been liberal media and all that, and there's been com- sort of, uh, I don't know, salacious content. If it bleeds, it leads. Like that stuff has been happening a long time. Yeah, I, but I, I think I, Trump, I, I think Trump, in a way, broke the media even more. They're, they yeah, tried yeah. to get even with them, and they ended up, you know, re- I think getting down in the mud. Well,
2: I, two things here. I think if if I was a publisher of a newspaper, I would columnist, yes. But reporters, I would not allow them to have Twitter or social media. I mean, I mean, you can just simply go and know exactly where someone is ideologically if they're a reporter on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, they, they, God bless them. They can't hold their mouth. I mean, it's funny. We have an NBA writer in Salt Lake. She's fantastic. I love her writing on the NBA and the crap she puts out politically. And, and she and she gets in fights with people all the time. And just like. You know, that's are not you, your job, the, right? The in- Why you, and, and I'm sure your employer doesn't appreciate your ticking these people off because she's spouting whatever she's spouting. And, you know, for example, this <clears throat> is a, something that I've really, you know, of all the stuff that's bugged me about the press, the one thing is about COVID and its origins and the lab leak. The fact that they just didn't say, if you're an investigative journalist, we need to look at all the options and rule them out. So if I go – and Matt, if I go – you and I go to Mayo tomorrow, Mayo Hospital, What? and we have some illness, they put on a board 100 things, and then they go one by one and start eliminating them. But there's nothing that's not on the table. And because Trump said it and because they said he was racist and so forth – they never investigated something that
0: there's a real likelihood this originated from a lab. They went way further. They took the the tainted meat theory and said if you didn't subscribe to that, which frankly at its ho- at its base is far more racist Absolutely. than the idea that a virus leaked from a, a lab. Uh, they said you were racist for asking if a virus leaked from a lab. That is a really hefty so, accusation.
2: So the question goes, you said Trump sort of broke the press. Can they be fixed again, or is if you're a young, um, you know, activist, just say I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go become a reporter, and I'm just gonna push an agenda? Is that where we're sort of at now for a while?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I don't see it fixed. I don't see this getting fixed anytime soon because all the incentives are perverse. Um,
0: well, and, and all the J, J schools wanted- are are yeah. deeply. Go ahead. Go ahead. To- well, there's
1: that. Yeah, there's that too. Um, but I I just there is. I don't see any incentive, uh, and in changing things. And, you know, like the way that cable news is now too. I mean, there are some exceptions, but by and large, I mean, it's, it's, you pick your team, you're either a right wing channel or a left wing channel. Um, and that's, that's sort of understood. You're going to play to your, your base and, uh, and you're going to try to get ratings and clicks and controversy and uh, that's the business model. And the business model is not healthy for society. Uh, but in the sh- I think in the long run, it's actually not healthy for, for the outlets either. But in the short term, which is what they care about, that's the game to play.
0: I, I got to tell you, Matt, I, I kind of disagree with their analysis of the market at this point, where I, I really believe if a cable news channel came along that was CNN in the 80s, that was just, we're going to tell you what's going on around the world. Like a headline news? Yep, absolutely. I think people would be all over it. I think they would, I would have think real so, ratings. but
1: what happened to headline news? I mean, I don't know, but like, I remember it's sort of like, you know, MTV is like, we're going to quit playing videos, but we're going to have MTV2 that quits playing videos. And then the next thing you know, MTV2 MTV is also playing real world, and like MTV3 is playing videos, and I have to assume, like MTV is not stupid. There's a reason that, that happens, and it's because reality shows get better ratings. And like, is headline news still a thing? Like, even you know, like CNN I don't, started. I don't know if it
2: is. I don't know if it is. Well, and MTV and has a not, wonderful show, Siesta Keys. Continue. If <laughs> it's
1: not, I assume. I mean, there's a, you know, sometimes people do things for like other reasons, including you know, vanity projects. Like, was it CBS that canceled? Um, like the Beverly Hillbillies and Bayberry RFD, even though they had great ratings. They canceled them uh, because they weren't seen as cool and hip. But usually uh, these businesses, I would assume, want to make money.
2: Well, that well, of course they have stockholders. I mean, that's yeah. that's the other part about it. And so, some people would shoot back and say, "Well, you got NPR." Well, I mean, I was listening to someone this morning that was, <laughs> well, it was on your podcast with Katie, just saying she listens yeah. to NPR, but she just can't handle the wokeism on it anymore. It just wants to yeah. you know, drives uh, her crazy. I mean,
0: possibly the most woke reporter in America is Yamiche Alcindor, who is the NPR White House reporter. If she was the White House spin doctor, she would be. A, it would be a more appropriate job for her than to be a publicly paid reporter covering that beat.
2: Matt, let me let me ask you this question. As as this has gone on the past five years and I think your principles, your your consistency, and we'll have to answer this when we get back from the break, so I want you to think about it. You know, you've been very consistent in your beliefs. Okay. How how has this rolled for you with your colleagues or fellow columnists or at the cable news networks and something. You know, I because I look for example, my fa- my favorite example is Bill Crystal. I mean, Bill is just a democrat now, and I don't know why he even tries to pretend otherwise. Right. And it seems like, you know, this is a guy, all due respect, this sort of the architect for the Iraq war. There, I mean, yeah. you can you can make a real claim for it, and now he's just, you know, peace, hope, love and rainbows. So, we're with Matt Lewis. You can find Matt at mattlewis.org. He's also contributed on MSNBC and the senior columnist at Daily Beast. We'll be back right after this break. Thanks.
1: You know what they say, politics is just show business for ugly people. Well, that's not the case. So get your face on your official .vote campaign web address. Jokes are funny, politics are not. Get your .vote web address from 101domain.com or godaddy.com today.
0: Welcome back to Broken Potholes with your hosts Sam Stone and Chuck Warren on the line with us today. Matt Lewis of The Daily Beast, also the author of Too Dumb to Fail. Uh, fantastic book. For anyone who hasn't read it, highly encourage you to get, you know, grab a, uh, Amazon.com or whatever, get a copy of that right away. It is worth reading, even if you disagree with every darn word in it. And Matt, there are a lot of people out there who have been your longtime friends, that have been your ideological allies. And in this polarized world, A lot of those connections are fraying. How have you or have you been able to maintain a lot of those relationships uh, with folks? You know, obviously, I think people can put aside their I I think people should put aside their political differences. But too many people are not. They're allowing these things. Oh,
1: yeah. I don't think we should let politics, you know, interfere. You know, my mom drove people to the polls to vote. Didn't just vote for Trump, drove people to the polls to vote for Trump. (laughs) In My dad was a prison guard for 30 years in Hagerstown, Maryland. I live in West Virginia, um, and uh, I go to a you know conservative evangelical church over here. It just it doesn't come up. I uh, haven't had any fights. Uh, I coached Little League this year. Did you win? No fights on the- yeah, we were the best team. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you learned nothing from the Orioles is what you're saying. You took a Yankees model or something from that. Okay. Yes.
1: <laughs> Uh, we have it no fights, no disagreements. Um, I really, am, first of all, I've been blessed uh, by that, but I also, I, just, I try not to fight with people about politics because life's, life's too short, you know?
2: Well, great, again, you have a, uh, you have a perspective and a foundation most people don't, don't have.
1: And even, and even among people, uh, you know, people that I've known in, in politics, like on Twitter, I, I don't really think I've lost any friends as far as i know you never know but as far as i know i don't think i've lost any over this whole you know political well it it's,
2: it's funny you uh, mention that i i haven't either i know one person i uh, but i haven't either but i do it's funny i get dms or text messages saying i really like what you post but i can't like it because of xyz <laughs> right, right? right and that's pretty funny it's just like you know i have people whispering me goes you know i go for my news to your facebook page but i can't like anything because my board will see i mean it's 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 a real interesting it's a real interesting scenario now matt going forward and let's let's take trump out of this equation what do conservatives need to focus on and there's so many but if you're if you are all of a sudden made the party leader what 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 are the three or four things conservatives should really focus on you feel that's good for america i mean i think
1: I would say two tracks. I mean one track is I think conservatives need to actually develop a, a proactive uh, coherent philosophy and it very well may be that that that, that philosophy is more popular right. than than the one I would prefer but there should be there, it should be coherent and 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 I, yet, um, and maybe it will be like maybe if someone like a Ron DeSantis uh, is the nominee End up being one of the externalities over time. Um, I also think, though, in the short term, that conservatives should probably focus. Um, you know, look, I think the col- cultural war stuff is important, and I think you know, you were sort of talking about cancel culture uh, just a second ago, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Where your friends friends are afraid to like publicly say things, but that is a problem. But I think Republicans need to focus more also on substantive policy disagreements with Biden. And that could be things like, I mean, I remember when there was a $1.9 trillion stimulus and what he talked about it, because we were all talking about Dr. Seuss, you know, um, we're getting ready to withdraw troops from Afghanistan, which I think is a huge mistake. It's an idea that Donald Trump invented when he negotiated with the Taliban, is now pursuing Possibly going to abandon our interpreters or people who were allies who helped us in this war. And we're just going to, you know, completely withdraw. And uh, as if if we didn't learn the lesson when Obama did that in Iraq and and, and there was the rise of ISIS. Like, I think those are the kind of things that you would hope the Republican Party would stand against, but uh, for a variety of reasons, are not able to do that right now.
2: What is the economic policy going forward? I mean, I think we are quickly. Oh, we we are coming in the party. It seems of a working man, so it's 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 funny the transition from country club Republicans to the working man Republicans. What do you what do you see? What do you see going forward on that? I mean, you're from a working well, man that's... family. You're a 30 year prison guard dad. I mean, what do you see yeah. on that?
1: It really needs to be fleshed out because you know the problem now is that it's like we're for welfare as long as it's welfare. For rural white people, that's the problem with the Republican Party. Now, it used, you know, it used to be that you could take more of like a principled, uh, across-the-board stance of being for like limited government, low taxes, and like I don't know what that's going to be, but but there needs to be some some uh, coherent and I think you know uh, respectable uh, principled position on spending.
2: Well, Matt, we appreciate your time today. We'd love to have you back on the show to flesh these things out more. Um, We're with Matt Lewis. You can find him at mattlewis.org. He has a fantastic podcast. I highly suggest you subscribe to it. Um, He's also a contributor on MSNBC and a columnist at The Daily Beast, one of the great minds out there. Matt, thanks for joining us on Broken Potholes.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. 2020
2: elections are over. Phew! Thank goodness for that. But don't sleep
1: on your plans for 2022. Start today by securing your name and getting a dot vote web address with your first and last name. Visit GoDaddy today. You are my sunshine,
0: my only sunshine. You make me happy. One Welcome back to Broken dream. Potholes with your host Sam Stone, Chuck Warren. Today in studio with us, I gotta say it: the irrepressible Kylie Kipper my and Mac the Man. <laughs> Actually, not even a – I shouldn't say this. <laughs> right, but back. she is the man. Hopefully And today can. she's got the sunshine Hopefully moment. Hopefully we can do a cough drop on that. Bring on in that. the yeah, sunshine.
2: <laughs> we're, we're with the lovely Mackenzie Semerad, who today has a sunshine moment. Well, she has two sunshine moments that um, we'll be talking about.
3: And both having to do with sports. Um, first one has to do with Tokyo, Tokyo Olympics coming up in uh, end of July. Um, this story is about the track star Allison Felix who was the most decorated female track and field athlete of all time, launched her own shoe company just two years after leaving Nike. Um, With Nike, she had a big fallout in 2019 because after she had her daughter, uh, Felix revealed that Nike offered her a deal that would pay her 70% less than what she had been earning before she was pregnant. And so because of that, she did not re-sign with Nike a year later, and she eventually signed with Gap's Athleta brand before branching out onto her own. And that is called the Saish One sneaker. Um, it's S-A-Y-S-H. I believe it's Seiche. Um, And that sneaker will be sold for $150. And it's designed for and by women. Um, and you can buy these at Um, And it's basically what she said is when you see me run, know that I'm not running for medals. I'm running for change. And she's won six Olympic gold medals. Um, and she's running for greater equity for each of us and that meaning women. Um, I'm running for women more than anything. I'm running toward a future where no woman or girl is ever told to know her place. So I really liked that story.
2: Nice. And what's the other one?
3: The other one, going right into it, (laughs) Um, Devin Booker. So another sports story. Now that we're in the um, playoffs, this became relevant because Devin Booker is not only exciting on the court, he's been doing some pretty neat things off the court as well. And just in May, he received the NBA Cares Community Assist Award. And that was for his continual commitment to support youth and families throughout the greater Phoenix area through his starting five initiative. And all five recipients received $100,000 through his initiative. And those five programs that he just awarded in May were the Arizona Arizona Autism United, Central Arizona Shelter Services, YMCA of Southern Arizona, the Gap Ministries, and Elevate Phoenix. Um... So that's pretty neat that not only is he an all-star on the court, he's doing some pretty neat things in the Phoenix area. He does a
0: lot of great stuff. So do the Phoenix Suns. I don't think a lot of people are aware of how much work they do with the local YMCA organizations and the Boys and Girls Clubs. They're really active. A couple of years ago, I think they renewed, I think it was 50 basketball courts or built 50 basketball courts for organizations around the city to, to celebrate their 50th anniversary. They do a fantastic job here in the community.
2: Well, and that's the one thing about sports, even if you're not a sports follower. Um, you know, so Arizona is blessed with Larry Fitzgerald and Devin Booker. Yes. They have come here. They have stayed. This is one reason why I would really love to see the Suns win besides being a fan. Um, Devin Booker didn't complain. Didn't ever saw him say, I'm going to leave town. He said, this is my home. Yeah. And he's made it his home. And you can tell that. By the way he treats the community, I don't have the sense Devin goes out and has 15 homes and leaves the minute This is done. Chris Paul does that. Other players do it other teams. But people like Devin Booker, Larry Fitzgerald, and Salt Lake Donovan Mitchell's done the same thing. These people just say, this is here. This is my home. I'm gonna build the community I want to see.
0: And I don't think enough athletes recognize the long-term benefit oh. and value they get from that level of loyalty. Obviously, you still want to see them get paid. You want to see the organization treat them right and try to compete in their situations. You know, I'm a I'm a big Boston fan. I grew up in Boston when Ray Bork left the Bruins. Everyone understood he needed that opportunity to go win a title at the end of a Hall of Fame career. You can understand that. But these guys jumping around Getting together to form super teams, I think, really takes away from the fans' connection to their teams. I do, too.
2: Let's talk about the shoe situation. I mean, this is one of the benefits of social media now. You know, 10 years ago, she could not have done that. Now she can go. She can create a shoe.
0: I mean, she knows what she needs, and it's probably a fantastic product. Um, you can also design these things with modern computer systems. Where you, it was, uh, these were million dollar operations to design a few years ago, now it, uh, you, you can use software and do it at home. Mac, when you uh, so Mac Mac for our audience played soccer at
2: ASU, um, was a starter there. Did you see when you because you had Nike when you were there? They had Nike contract, then they had an Adidas contract. So you saw both worlds. Yep. How did the shoe companies treat female? And male sports differently, if, if, if at all? Was there any mm-hmm. difference?
3: It's hard to say. I mean, And take, fo- and take I football,
2: take football out the equation, because football's the... Um, yeah, that's a yeah. difference. Football it's, it's,
3: got way more than everybody else. Yeah, because so.
2: it's a 1,000-pound monster, and it finances all the other sports, frankly.
3: Yeah, that's a tough question, because we didn't have a men's soccer team, so there wasn't really a direct mm. um, correlation there between women and...
0: Uh, How would you compare, like, sports? to the baseball team, though? Because that would seem to be a fairly similar... Baseball, s- softball. Standing.
3: From my interpretation at the time... It seemed like they got a lot more um, products, but I'm, I'm not positive on oh. that. But they seem to always be a little bit more oh. swagged out than everybody else. <laughs> and, you
2: know, I think this, and, and I'm going to talk about this. We have, a, we have um, um, Kip and Mac and Jamie here today, but this is the one thing I've noticed about women, okay? Women are not as prone to ask for something, and I'll give you an example. So I'm a major sponsor of the Men's Tennis Program SU, right? I don't think I've said no ever to the Women's Tennis Program, and they're – Fantastic. But like one day, the men's tennis program said, We need this software program that analyzes all of the shots. It's $15,000 a year. They do the shots. I bring the players in. We show you shots where you're missing it, where you should have done differently. I mean, it's a major thing, right? And like only five programs in the country have it, and all the major pros have it, right? <laughs> the women call and say, We need a couch. <laughs> <laughs> and i think matt we i think matt came in the credit card for it. we need a couch it was 1200 bucks right and you know the men say we need this if we do this we can feed all these players and based on what they do they're able to provide basically it's like another scholarship and a half based on the rules the women uh we need we need seats i mean it's just such a different thing and this is a program that's been to like over the last 20 years i think 15 or 16 ncaa tournament but like we need a couch, and I'm still laughing about it, right? Because they knew what I was writing, and they came back and said a couch. And I think that is one thing. Yes, there is a bias with women and stuff, but sometimes it's asking, right? And it, it's it's always a hemming and hawing, yeah. or or if they come to ask. It's very simple. There's no middle ground. It's not simple. It's either they ask for it or it's like, I would like a hundred thousand dollar raise a year. I just started last week. I mean, right. it's just it's two different worlds. There's never a middle appropriate ground on it.
0: Well, you know, Chuck, I, I would totally agree with you because obviously I've hired a lot of people over the years, both on campaign things and in, in the office. And one of the things that I found was that the guys have no hesitation at all coming up to you and going, Hey, I've been here three months, six months, whatever it is. I'm ready for a raise. And uh, with respect to Jamie, who's in the studio with us today. <laughs> giggling quietly. Yeah, she is giggling because she knows the deal. And what I'm about to say here is that I've gone to her and been like, hey, I'm going to give you a raise. And she goes, I-, I-, I don't know that I actually deserve that right now. And I, What's well, like, worse than that? She gave me an invoice after
2: six weeks. She's supposed to get paid every two weeks. I had no idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that
3: is true. Wait, I, have a, I have a story. So there's a startup company here in Phoenix area. Uh, it was like a wedding shop. And they hired... 13 girls and one male, and the guy said to every single one of them, I had anticipated to pay all of them X amount. I'm going to start at this amount. The only person to say, I want more, was the male. So the male was getting paid more than the 13 females because no one asked for a but higher Because they
2: don't ask. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, yeah. and so I, I wonder sometimes we say that, and men get blamed for it, but if you don't ask, you don't know. I mean, we I've had this conversation, I think, with most of you, if you don't tell me, I mean, Jamie, and I had the conversation today. she goes, we we're talking. I go, how would I know you don't tell me? I mean, you know, and I, I, we had a, a good friend of a good friend of ours, of all of ours. Brad Butterworth got married a month ago and uh, his his wife's vows were great. <laughs> and it was said the following. I promise to remember you can't read my mind. <laughs> and like every woman in the world just needs to understand that right great starting point please <laughs> <Exactly>. please I <laughs> kiss I promised I know you can't read my mind and I just and everybody's there going oh and I just burst out laughing I mean I was totally disruptive because <laughs> it's true right yes. you know, like Jamie you send me an invoice every two weeks, right? <laughs> Kip now doesn't ask. he just buys. So I'm going to buy this. Is this okay? I'm
3: going to wait until he <laughs> asks me what this charge is. <laughs> um,
2: in interesting news here today um, that was just fascinating, I saw this morning, is um, they found a dragon man fossil skull in China that tells a story of an unknown human ancestor, So for 85 years, the human skull laid in an abandoned well in northern China in a city called Harbin. I've been there. It's not very exciting. A farmer canceled the relic there in 1933 like an heirloom, treated it like an heirloom. So invading Japanese soldiers couldn't seize it as a war booty. The farmer has been part of a labor crew who had unearthed it while digging foundations for a bridge over the river. So anyway, we got this skull. It's supposedly
0: an ancestor somehow connected to us, but they're not sure it's human. Well, you know, one of the most interesting things I don't think – because I think politics have sort of overwhelmed everything between politics and sports. That's the only news Americans get these days. But in anthropology there have been some really massive changes coming yes and and people are learning about so i mean the, the traditional idea that there were homo sapiens and you know the cave cave people kind of thing in two branches has been thrown out completely and we're now finding there are you know dozens potentially of human offshoot or similar ancestors that have come together and we share all their dna so a wild party they had. They, that they, they were going to some some wild clubs, I guess.
2: <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more about Matt today. So, um uh, I, I don't think I, I think what's what's happened sometimes with people um, who despise Trump is that I don't think the party's ideology is really much different than what it's been in the past. I think there's more of a populist thing. I've seen it's becoming more of an isolationist, which. I'm definitely not an isolationist, and but
0: I am more. You, I mean, you, you, yes, know, and you and I disagree. We, we you, you and both, I,
2: you, you and I disagree
0: on this and issue. We have both been within the party boundaries on that issue, and yeah. we're both still within the party boundaries on that issue. And I, I think that's. But you know, it's. Um, but
2: he is right, and what I am concerned about is, I'm not concerned just about my party. Um, I'm concerned about my country. We just seem to be unwilling to set down. And have a conversation, really have disagreements, but try to understand where each other's coming from or what our point is. And I don't know how that changes. And I think—and I, and I really do believe this. I think the lack or the steady decline of people going to church—I mean, you can say what you want about church, but church thought there's certain rules. There's a golden rule. We treat people with respect. And I think that has really um, disappeared for many, so there's no ground rules anymore. My ground rule is what makes me happy. And if you don't believe in it, you're just wrong.
0: Well, and and it's and it's a very bad tradition we're starting. I, I think both church and the decline of civic institutions. I think one of the things Adam Smith noted when he first came to this country was Americans are deep. Were, at that time, were deeply vested in civic institutions. The average American, if you go back to 1960 or so, was a member of three or four different Lions organizations, Club, Rotary, Lions, yeah. Elks, all those things. And those are great places where. Look, you're there for other reasons. It's not about your divisions. It's about your the things that unite you, the things you agree on, whether it's charity, whether it's community, all these things. With the decline of these institutions, I think it leaves more and more room for polarization, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing people who don't talk to each other. Republicans aren't talking to Democrats. Democrats aren't talking to Republicans. And then even within our party— you know, you see the thing like with Matt where he's been, you know, I, I know he's maintained his personal relationships, but he's been isolated from a lot of the the sort of mainstream Trump portion of the party.
2: Well, and he, look, he got so fed up with that they live in Alexandria, Virginia, which is basically the Beltway, and they just picked up and moved their family to West Virginia. So he's like two, two and a half hours outside D.C., and go after you go to D.C., he goes, ah, we go in about once a week for – yeah, twenty four, forty eight hours. Well, but they but they've set up home there, and it's been interesting. Like you said, he goes to evangelical church, and we, we've talked about it. everybody's a Trump supporter
0: there, and he's like, you know, whatever. Well, great program. Lots of lots of stuff to sort through. Broken potholes will be coming back next week. Another fantastic guest. We'll try to get an interview with the Dragon Man. Kip, will you jump on that, please?
2: <laughs> right away. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week, folks. Broken po- potholes. Thanks.
1: Running for office? You need a campaign website. Introducing the web address of the democratic process, .vote. So how do you purchase your .vote website? Visit www.yourname.vote. Type your website name, example, www.johnsmith.vote. It's available. Add your web address to your cart and check out. Once checked out and have received confirmation, you may begin to create and utilize your website to connect and engage voters. To learn more, visit get.vote. Happy campaigning!